This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. Today in the studio, we have Brian Conklin. Brian, welcome to the program today. Thanks for having me. Brian serves with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Omaha, Nebraska. He's a former Husker basketball player, played a few years back. And so it's good to have Brian today to speak at chapel. Brian, tell our listeners a little bit about your background in sports and how you wound up serving with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yeah, Gordon. I uh, grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, in a family that sports was very emphasized and seen as a very important thing. It was actually through the sport of basketball that I ended up coming to the state of Nebraska, went to the university there. And that was uh, at that point is where I was introduced to FCA for the first time through a man named Chris Bubach, our state director with the ministry, who came around me and sat down and opened up God's word and, and taught me really how sports and, and a relationship with Jesus Christ really went hand in hand. O'Brien, tell our listeners a little bit about what's happening with the FCA ministry in Omaha. What are some of the activities you have coming up, some of the ministry outreaches? Yeah, you know, we're really excited about the ministry in, in Omaha with FCA. It's just been a blessing to serve alongside so many faithful volunteers. Really, uh, this time of year, one of the biggest things that's, that's going on is we're kicking off our school year where our huddle coaches that lead the FCA groups within the schools are being trained and, and, and kicking off their, their ministry where God has put them. And it's been exciting to see how the gospel is advancing through the lives of these, these folks that God has placed in specific places and given them specific roles, be it teachers or coaches or, or even some parents. So we're just trying to come around and support them in that. So the ministry is uh, pretty exciting right now. Really great new opportunities with each new school year. Well, and you're also involved in a, a church plant situation in Omaha, too. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, this church plant has just really been a, a great blessing. You know, we are part of a, a small group in uh, Gretna that have come together for the sake of the gospel with a, a desire to reach neighbors and just start with the relationships that we have with the people that live right next to us and across the street. And the Lord has been very faithful to set up opportunities to, to share the gospel, to share Christ. And it's just been a, a, an exciting movement to be a part of there. The name of the church is Providence Bible Church. And the reason I know that, that's where I'm at now, too. And my son, Josh Deason, actually is serving as a lead pastor and was a graduate in Nebraska Christian Schools. Brian, you chose Second Timothy to come talk to our students about. I'm just kind of curious as to what is the impact of that section on, on students that might attend a, a Christian school like Nebraska Christian? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, that passage, I think, speaks to, to so many people. Obviously, it's God's Word. It's applicable in every situation. But for particularly the kid at a Christian school who is being trained in the message of the gospel and is hearing from Scripture constantly throughout the day, I think it's a good reminder that this message is indeed the most important thing on the planet. There's a reason that the teachers here at NC are are passionate about teaching this message because there's really nothing else when it comes down to it. With that, let's join Brian with today's message. It's an honor to be with you guys, sitting in that, that back row, just talking to, to some of your administration, some of your teachers coming in the door. I just want to encourage you guys that you have such an awesome opportunity with your education here. The reality is, is that few people are starting their day singing words that point to the glory of God. 
and uh, the need for a Savior in Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you guys in that today to, to not take, even for a second, not to, to not take for granted the opportunity that you have to come and, and be a part of this school. So excited to be here with you guys today. You know, my role with FCA allows me to go to places like this often, to all kinds of different towns in Nebraska. But the reality of with my job as well as a lot of times is that I'm showing up in a town and I'm leaving later on. So when I think of my time with you guys here today, there's a good chance that a lot of you, you know, you may see me again, maybe at a, in a scenario like this, but you're probably not going to get to know me super well. So my goal is, is if I have the, a lot of time that we have today, you know, I want to talk to you about what I believe is the absolute most important thing that I can possibly talk to you about. And that is, we're going to talk about God's Word today, and in particular, we're going to talk about the importance of the Gospel message. I look at you and it makes me want to pray right now for you guys, which we'll do here in a second. But I can remember being your age, you know, I didn't grow up at a Christian school, but I grew up in a Christian home, a home where the gospel was preached, a home where by the, the Lord's will I was able to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as a young kid. But there was a reality that I was faced with every day, and it's the same reality that you guys are faced with. You know, there's a difference between knowing what the truth is and completely being consumed with that truth to the point that it affects every part of your life. Where the passion of your life is no longer about yourself, but is about what you guys are hearing on a daily basis here at the school. So let's just bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you for who you are and your greatness. God, as we spend some time here this morning, Lord, may your name be lifted high. Lord, may each kid and each administration person and each teacher in here, may we all walk away with just an enormous view of who you are. God, may your scriptures teach us of your greatness, and Lord, may that impact every moment of our life. In your name we pray, amen. I've been here before, so I think this is the routine. I think most of you have a Bible. So if you have a Bible, if you could take that out, particularly today, we're going to look in the book of 2 Timothy. So go ahead, turn to 2 Timothy. We're going to look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. See what the Lord has in store for us this morning. As you're turning to 2 Timothy chapter 4, I wanted to catch you up a little bit what's going on with the book of Timothy to this point. This book is a, it's a pretty amazing book. What, what our scenario here is we have the writer is Paul. Okay, he's writing this book to kind of his protege, Timothy. Okay, as he's writing this book, and it's very important that we grasp this because it's, a, it's an amazing scenario that he's in. He is writing, imprisoned, awaiting his death. And that death is coming as a result for what he has believed and because of this message that he has preached. So as we read here today this Scripture and as we talk about the importance of these verses, I think we need to constantly be remembering the fact that just as I am coming to share what's most important today, this is what Paul's doing to Timothy. He's at the end of his life saying, I've only got a few more, few more moments of breath here in this world. Timothy, please get this. It's of utmost importance. It's the most important thing that you can get. You know, so we look in chapters 1 through chapter 2, verse 13. It's really a call to Timothy to endure for the gospel. 
You know, really a good theme, if you were to point, point out a theme of the book of 2 Timothy, it's going to be the theme of perseverance. So this first portion of the book talks about enduring for the Gospel. Chapter 2, starting in 14-3-9, through 3, 9, is now going to deal with false teachers. So there's opposition to this great message that Paul is encouraging Timothy to endure in, to persevere in, to stay true to. Chapter 3, verse 10 through 4, 8 deals with Timothy. You know, it's instruction from Paul of, of how you are going to deal with the reality of these false teachers that are out there. You know, so what is the game plan, so to speak? And then today, what we're going to look at, the first eight verses of chapter 4, if you can think of it in simple terms, and if you're taking notes, you can jot this down to, rem to remind you. It's really Paul's pep talk to Timothy. Now, I don't know if many of you are athletes out there. Go ahead and raise your hand if you are. Okay, a lot of you actually. If you're not, that's okay. We're just going to use some athletic terms today. Mainly because my mind's pretty simple and that's just the path that God's taken me down in my life, so I think in athletic terms. So, as we read Paul's pep talk to Timothy, we're going to look at five keys to gospel perseverance. So, as you're taking your notes... Within this section of Paul's pep talk, we're going to look at five keys to gospel perseverance. These keys, again, are what Paul is saying is of utmost importance to carry out the ministry, to endure in this life that God has called Timothy to live. I'm going to read, if you would follow along. 2 Timothy 4, 1-8 I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing." Pretty powerful piece of Scripture there. Okay, five keys to gospel perseverance. The first key, if you want to jot this down, as Paul is relaying this letter to Timothy, he is putting an emphasis on a simple game plan. So the first key to gospel perseverance is understanding a simple game plan. Verse 1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Hey, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. You know, as we read sentences like that, it's so easy just to go and mumble our way through the sentence and not stop and think about that. Think about the weight that goes along with the fact that when Paul is writing this letter, he's charging it in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. You know, you, you think of athletics. I think of athletics and I think of different settings. I think of uh, the Olympics as being a pretty incredible setting. Anybody watch the Olympics this year? Okay, you saw some of these stadiums that were packed with people from all different countries. 
you understood that it wasn't just these stadiums that were full of people that were watching these, these athletes, but there was people from all across the entire world. Many, many countries that a lot of us don't even know exist that were engaged in watching in these games. It was quite a setting. But when you compare that to the setting that this is being written in, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, the setting of the Olympics, the greatest sporting event on the planet, it pales in comparison. There is no comparison. And I think it's really important that we get this because there is a, there is a whole other level of standard to motivation of why Paul is writing this to Timothy. It's interesting to me that there's a, a distinction here in this passage between God and Christ Jesus. Because here you have the Creator of the universe, the greatest one in comparison to anything, God. And now you have Christ, our ambassador, our substitute, the one who through the Gospel message, through the work of, of Christ and what He did by obeying perfectly on earth, and going to the cross obediently, dying for our sins and raising from the dead, we have that to put our hope in. We have that as, as why we do everything. So I love that distinction here. Let's, let's really grasp the fact that this is God and Christ Jesus that, that this is written about. Look at the next, the next section there. It says, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom. Judgment. is a theme throughout the Bible, right? Judgment. Christ has completed, and Christ has conquered, the very judgment that we are supposed to be held standard to. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing setting that we're dealing with here. So let's grasp that the urgency, the seriousness of the situation. Okay, verse 2 there. And here comes your simple game plan. Again, in context of what's been going on in the book of 2 Timothy to this point of staying true to the Gospel and fighting against the false teachers that are out there, the simple game plan is this. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. It doesn't get any simpler than that. You know, we live in a culture today where, you know, the, the idea of what is true and what is right is under attack. It's no different than the culture that, that Paul is, is, is writing to Timothy about. The same issues we have today where people say all these different things are true is the same thing that's going on. So, we need a standard. What's that standard? What's the game plan? How do you uh, approach this situation of enduring in the Gospel? How do you approach the situation of battling against false teachers? It's simple. You preach the Word of God. You become convinced of that. It says up in 2 Timothy, if you just move up the page a little bit in chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, it says, "...while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. What is that that he has learned and believed? It's the Word of God. So Paul's message is, is simple. Preach the Word of God. 
You know, you go to, to verse 16 and 17 of chapter 3. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. These are the very words of God. This is why the game plan is so important that we nail. It's because this is God's Word. It's not our words. It's not our opinions that we're bringing to the table. And that verse sounds a lot like this. Preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Preach the Word. When does it say to preach the Word? From that passage? In season and out of season, right? I mean, if you look at, at the meaning of this, these words, it's very important that we grasp this. The, the sense that it brings to the table, it's, it's almost like a, a war. You know, if you can picture yourself covered by a bunker, just awaiting a surprise attack from the enemy. That's the same sense of urgency that, that Paul's tone of writing to Timothy has taken place here. There's an urgency to this. This isn't a game. This isn't something that we should take lightly. But this is a war. Be ready, in season and out of season, to preach the Word. So, can we, can we take that and apply that to our own life? First of all, can we become convinced of what we have heard? And can we put our belief in something greater than what the world says is true? But can we put belief in what God's words are? And two, can we commit to that? Preach the Word to others, to ourselves daily. It's a great practice. So the first key to Gospel perseverance, simple game plan, preach the Word. The second key to gospel perseverance is scouting report. You're going to notice an athletic theme along all these words here. Scouting report. Mr. Thiessen, uh, as he introduced me, introduced me as a basketball player. I did play at Nebraska, and then I played one season of basketball in Europe, actually. And, and one thing that, that I will never forget about my experience of playing basketball in Germany was the emphasis on the scouting report. It was, it was a, an, a huge amount of time that we spent learning who our opposition was, what they do, how they act, how they react, what their tendencies were. Part of our weekly game, game planning and game preparation is that on top of all the physical practice that we had to put in, we put in all kinds of film work, all kinds of time watching film, trying to memorize what these players' tendencies were. And we were even given a stat sheet you know, if you can picture this, full of stats of every single player on the team, we were supposed to be able to memorize, you know, how many minutes did this player play a game? How many block shots do they have? What does that average out to? How many times did they score with their left hand? How many times did they score with their right hand? How many assists did they have? How many points per game did they have? How many steals? And each week, the day before the game, we were called upon, the coach would have you stand up in front of the whole team, and he would ask, Brian, number 12, what's his name? Where's he from? You know, what clubs has he played with? How many, how many times did he miss a box out in the last game? And we were required to know an answer. And if you didn't know an answer, you were in trouble. It was our job to know the answer at that time. So there's such an emphasis in scouting report in basketball, which is a, a game, right? A game for fun. A game that teaches us how to compete. But how much more important then is understanding a scouting report 
when it comes to spiritual matters, especially matters concerning the Gospel. Super important. Verse 3 and 4 says this, and here is the scouting report. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So just as simple as the game plan was to preach the Word, now we know why. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But instead, they will gather around them people who are going to tell them what they want to hear. Okay, Again, Bible times, same exact thing going on in our culture today. People don't always want to hear the truth. Especially when the truth talks about matters of sin in their life, or the fact that they are wrong, people shy away from that. Instead, they want to gather around them people who are going to tell them things that tickle their ears. Things that make them feel good. That's a reality. It's true today. Many of you may know of this situation or know of this pastor, but there's a pastor that claims to be a Christian pastor, but wrote a book saying that there is not a literal hell. There is no such thing as a literal hell. Okay, now the problem with that, if you read your Bible, if you preach the Word and know your Word, you know that the Bible says something different than that. Okay, so this is opposition to what God's Word is. But again, the reality is that this church that this pastor is at has approximately 10,000 people at it. And not only that, but his book is one of the, the best-selling books that are out there. Because people have gone away from the truth. They do not want to endure sound teaching, but instead want to hear what their itching ears want, want to hear. They have gathered around them teachers. They have surrounded themselves with books. They have put themselves in situations where they want to hear what sounds good instead of what is true. So that's the opposition. That's why the game plan is so important to stick to. So can we be people who again, in the midst of a culture that speaks against God's Word, can we take a stand for what God's Word has to say? You know, really, how do we do this? I'm convinced of this because it's impacted my own life. It's the third key to gospel perseverance, which is sticking to the fundamentals. Stick to the fundamentals. Verse 5 says, As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So in the midst of all these different teachings that are going on, can we think clearly to the point where we remind ourselves of, of what is true? You know, do the work of an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? The, the evangelist brings good news. Brings the Gospel. So can we stick to the fundamentals even of what is that message? There was a point in FCA where for a long time we really were trying to train people in different mechanics of how to share the Gospel. So we had a list of questions that you should follow going down the list. If you're going to share the Gospel. Or if someone responds this way, you should say that. Or if they respond this way, you should say this. The reality is, is at the end of the day, even though we train people on those questions that they should ask, there was still a lack of understanding of the true fundamentals that make up the Gospel message. So can we as people remind ourselves 
of what the Gospel is? Can we talk about fundamentals of the glory of God? Can we spend time in our life thinking about the glory of God so that our view of God expands daily? In comparison to God, can we stick to the fundamental of understanding who we are as sinners who have missed the mark of perfection that a holy, perfect God set for us? And because of that, understand that there is separation, eternal death, which by the way, can remind us that there is a literal hell. That fundamental. Can we remind ourselves of that? Can we remind ourselves of our need for a substitute in the God-man, Jesus Christ, who came, obeyed perfectly, died on the cross, rose again, completed the, the, the standard that God had, had set for us? And can we remind ourselves of the need to repent and believe? To put our trust in Jesus Christ. Guys, these are the fundamentals. The work of an evangelist, the only way that we're going to fulfill our work as evangelists is to remind ourselves of that great truth daily. One of the great, greatest practices that I've ever entered into, and someone encouraged me this in, in thinking, was to preach the Gospel to myself. It's just like basketball. If I'm going to be really good at a fundamental, I've got to do it over and over and over and over. Same thing in the, the life of a Christian. If you're going to endure and persevere in the Gospel, you've got to remind yourself of what is right and what is true and what those fundamentals are. So third key, stick to the fundamentals. These last two. Verse 6, substitution is a key to Gospel perseverance. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Again, back to the Olympics. So many of you saw the relays where they have to hand the baton to the next person. This is what's going on in Paul's life here. He's come to the end of his road. He has, he has completed what God has called him to do. He is about ready to enter into glory. And now he's saying, Timothy, take this ministry. Endure in the Gospel. You know what's ahead of you. There's suffering. There's persecution. There's false teaching that you're going to face. But Timothy... Stay true to the Gospel message. Substitution. The last point here, verse 8. It's sweet victory. Verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Interesting story that I came across. This is a story of a soccer team, Real Madrid. Any soccer fans out there? Okay, Real Madrid, there's a, uh, a big trophy that I know we all follow very closely, but the Copa del Rey tournament, it's a big deal for soccer fans that they are going for this trophy. Real Madrid had not won this, this trophy in nearly 18 years. And they put all their hard work and all their hope in going towards this trophy. Well, a few years ago, they won the trophy. And the thing that really sticks out to me is that just like in a Super Bowl or a NBA championship, whatever it is, they had the parade where they hoisted this trophy around town, showed everyone, look what we have done, look what we have worked towards. Guess what happened? This is pretty comical. Dropped the trophy, right? Off of the float. Where'd it go? Right under the wheel of the bus that was driving the team. Smashed the trophy. And to me, it's just a picture of, that's, that's what we do daily, guys. We're putting our hope and we're putting our, everything that we do into things that just are going to get smashed. They're going to get crushed. And they're not worth anything. 
So as we talk about gospel perseverance, can we remind ourselves of the sweet victory that this is about God? The game has been completed. Christ has won. God will get His glory. Can we engage in that? Can we be consumed with that? When we sing songs at chapel to start your day, can you sing it out of a, a complete love for God and not just a going through the motion? Because there is something great out there. So, simple game plan. Know the scouting report. Stick to the fundamentals. Substitution. Sweet victory. Hope it's encouraging you here this morning. You've been listening to a message by Brian Conklin, who serves with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Ministry in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Mm-hmm.